Rosemary O'Connell bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show on Freight, but there is running ice and newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on FreightWings.com slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, let's get into some headlines. Swiss-based logistic giant Kuhn Nagel is expanding its perishables network to and from South Africa, the UK, and Kenya with the acquisition of Johannesburg-based freight forwarder Morgan Cargo for an undisclosed sum. A member of the management board of Kuhn and Nagel said expansion in high-growth markets such as Africa clearly ties into our roadmap 2026 and reinforces our commitment to the Middle East and Africa region. We have been active in Africa for many years, but this acquisition is an ideal addition to our regional presence. Global cold chain really is living up to the hype. Austin, Texas-based Afia Foods moves up in the world with the help of some Series A funding from a multitude of investors in the food space. The six-year-old company will use the funding to scale Afia's core product line, open a new 21,000-square-foot manufacturing facility, and headquarters in Taylor, Texas later this year. They are going to launch new products and increased customer availability through traditional and online retailers as foods and food service. Afia currently produces five different flavors of falafel and their online-slash-Texas-exclusive kibbe. In September 2022, they introduced their latest flavor, Zatar Falafel. One mom in Minnesota is on a quest to make allergy-friendly meals accessible. Angie Nelson created a meal delivery service for people with food allergies, offering both deli- offering delivery of both make-at-home meal kits and heat-and-eat meals by allowing consumers to hit the easy button when meal planning. Roughly 32 million people in the U.S. live with food allergies, making mealtime for those complicated. In Minnesota, there's about 200,000 people living with food allergies. The mail kit delivery service offers a weekly rotation of choices, including 50 options and growing. They offer eight heat and eat meals, soups, and free of all the top allergens. Today, we are joined by Guru Rao, CEO at NewViz. Welcome to Running on Ice, Guru. Thanks, Mary. Nice to meet you. Uh, for those who might recognize him, he was a guest on Check Call, and we liked him so much. We brought him back for his uh, temperature controls knowledge. Um, before we get into that, why don't you give us some background on you and kind of how you started at NewBiz? Sure. Um, NewBiz, uh, Atlanta-based uh, delivery management and customer experience platform. We've been in business for about uh, 12 years now. And uh, before starting NewBiz, I've uh, been in the supply chain logistics space for almost 30 years now. Right, uh, we're building products, technology, building businesses, working with uh, shippers, carriers, and everyone in between. And uh, started NewViz 12 years ago with the idea of uh, creating a technology for the broader network ecosystem of what is happening in the transportation delivery space. And uh, yeah, that's what we've been doing for us instead. So that, in that broader ecosystem, there's got to be some challenges and uh, unexpected hiccups because it's supply chain so heaven forbid everything go correctly planned the first time um so what are some of those unique challenges and some of those little quirks that come with uh last mile pharmaceutical and kind of those medical courier services um what what kind of problems come with those yeah i mean you know you, you can look at it from two uh you know approaches right one is the general delivery and transportation changing ecosystem challenges, right? That applies to across the board, all the verticals, irrespective of what you're moving. The other one is the specific to pharmaceuticals and cold chain, 
right? They, it has its own unique uh, channel, right? So if you talk about the broader uh, common denominator across every vertical, the delivery and transportation ecosystem has changed dramatically in the sense of uh, working with many different partners compared to a limited number of partners, right? That's what uh, we refer to as a network. So it's become a network ecosystem. Um, so when you move from point to point, uh, you know, confined uh, partner ecosystem to a more of a broader open network ecosystem, suddenly the technology that existed before 15, 20 years ago, or even now in some instances, they are not going to be able to operate in that ecosystem because they don't understand the notion of network. They understand only the notion of point A and point B, right? It's not a many-to-many -many network uh, that from a technology standpoint. So that's one of the big challenges that we saw in the space with the evolution of e-commerce and everybody delivering to everybody and, you know, everyone becoming a national player and working with many different partners, uh, the technology limitations were uh, pretty obvious. And that's where we wanted to make a difference coming in and creating that network-based technology that inherently understands the physical ecosystem, right? So you don't have to create a whole integration project every time you want to work with a new partner. That kind, of, that kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, like you said, you don't want to create an immigration every time you work with somebody because that just inevitably bogs down your IT and that bogs down anything that you're able to do and enhance within your technology. So I think kind of being able to almost plug and play into everyone is kind of the best way to kind of mitigate some of those challenges that also kind of enhance that visibility that everybody is looking for. Yep, you're absolutely right, right? <clears throat> that's the whole idea of, uh, that's the only way you can exist, right? Uh, otherwise, you cannot operate your business in a many-to-many -many network leveraging within the four walls technologies that existed. So that's where, you know, the one unique challenge of what we saw and the solution we wanted to bring to bear. And then talking about specifically on the pharma and word chain, it has its own challenges on top of those. They, you know, they also have all the same challenges that we talked about. You got to work with many different partners to be a real national player. Right, that is that is still a uh, challenge, and then on top of it, you have a un you are a separate set of unique challenges that comes with uh, transporting, uh, in our cold chain, right? Required uh, products, both in pharma or food supplies or any of those, in terms of uh, you know again, the, that's one part, and then the regulatory challenges added, requirements added on top of, right? <clears throat> because of all the things that we saw in terms of uh, you know. Uh, safety and regulations, FISMA rules and traceability and recall requirements and all of those, they add another set of requirements of really identifying every uh, product, every tote, every carton throughout the supply chain exactly where they are at any point in time, right? So <clears throat> that adds a different unique set of challenges on top of all the network uh, challenges that we talk. Okay, so how do you even begin to design this network and you know, begin to design all this technology when it comes to pharmaceutical. Because with pharmaceuticals, if something falls outside of its temperature control area, then, you know, that medicine's damaged and it's potentially someone's life-saving medicine and they can't necessarily wait for an alternative. So kind of that extra, like, actual high-risk thing of, like, this can't fail. How do you even begin to design um, technology around all these different regulations and rules that you have to follow pharmaceuticals? 
yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I think that's why I said pharma and food adds another layer of complexity and requirements on top of, uh, you know, dealing with all the data exchange between many different partners, right? And if you look at uh, cold chain, uh, you know, supply chain, there are two distinct parts, right? One, you focus on the inbound and the outbound, right? From an inbound standpoint, typically they are long haul shipments, you know, long transit time, two days, three days or what have you. In that you load the truck, it's refrigerated and you set the temperature, you close the trailer and then you start driving, right? And then it goes for two, three days before it reaches the other end where you unload and offload the truck. So in that is one part of the supply chain where you are not opening the door, you know, when you are in transit, right? You are in transit for two, three days. The only requirement there is to ensure that your truck is in the right, you know, chambers are in right temperature. So that's where your IoT come into comes into play. So it's monitoring temperature every so often and feeding that information back to a central station. So you can track the threshold, right? Make sure that the temperatures are within threshold. And then if for whatever reason, the malfunction of uh, freezers or what have you, if the temperature falls, uh, goes, you know, outside the threshold, then you create an alert. So you you know, send a notification so the driver can, you know, or somebody can come in and, you know, take corrective action to make sure, you know, the product uh, is safe. So that's kind of one. That is a an easier problem in, in my view that, you know, you're only just monitoring and making sure nothing is out of the range. And then once it hits your supply chain, when you're moving the product from your inside the supply chain into your end customers, which we typically refer to as the final mile, Again, the challenges there become much more, uh, you know, prevalent and you know, obvious, right? Now we are moving the product, not, it's not just a single origin to a single destination. You are moving the product from one point to many different parts, many different uh, locations, right? Even in the outbound, there are two, typically the product falls through, it goes through multiple legs, right? It might go from DC to a line hall to a cross dock location, and then get uh, deconsolidated and then gets on a smaller drug and then goes to the end customer kind of scenario, right? So when you're talking about <clears throat> those, the, the line hall segment still has the same challenges as the inbound, right? Simpler, but then when you get to really the final mile, now it's not about, you know, measuring the temperature, most of the time, the product might get into a, a cooler or some sort of uh, temperature-controlled, uh, you know, enclosure or a carter or a tote. And now you are, you know, opening the door, you know, every every thirty minutes for every customer and closing the door and delivering the product and all that. Now it's not about sensors; it's more about ensuring that when you open the door every time, the temperature is within the within the uh, acceptable range. I think that that would almost have to be one of the hardest things to manage because I'm thinking like, you know, when you have an Amazon truck, you know, they go in, they make a delivery, they come out with boxes, but it's an Amazon truck. It doesn't, it's not typically transporting like temperature controlled things. It's typically transporting like random things that you need for your house. And in the middle of like the Midwestern July, when there's like 700% humidity and it's like, a, it, it feels like is like 120, how do you even begin to manage that humidity? and that temperature controlled. And honestly, I don't know that I don't know that anyone would necessarily be extremely successful with that without any sort of technology or any kind of, you know, solution that has some something that has that visibility and that real time data because 
Otherwise, you're just going to say, it should be fine. No, no, you're absolutely right. It has to be a combination of technology. Technology plays a very big role. And then there's obviously a human intervention. You're dealing with these kind of products, right? It's not just about the tracking of temperature. Like I said, in, when you get to the final mile, they're typically in a, in a temperature-controlled boxes designed to withstand temperature for, uh, you know, X number of hours. So, you know, you're picking it up at 9 o'clock and get, you know, it's getting delivered at 12 or 1 o'clock or what have you. So, they're designed to maintain temperature for four hours, right? And you may not necessarily transport that in a refrigerator truck per se, right? But then what happens is, imagine if that product, that is where the real-time tracking comes into play in terms of knowing exactly where the product is. So it's supposed to reach the customer at 12 o'clock and the customer, you know, refuses the product or what have you. Now you're going to bring that product back. That information is more important in a, in a temperature sensitive uh, product, uh, you know, logistics that when the product comes back, you cannot just put it in the warehouse and send it back next day, right? You now have to repackage it so that it gets ready for transportation next week, right? Put it back in the freezer and uh, refrigerator and then put it back, you know, for next day's transportation. So you have to know how much is coming back as well to ensure that it is, you know, handled properly and it is still good for next day's, uh, you know, route or what have you, right? So from that standpoint, that's where the real-time visibility comes into play. You not only know that the product got delivered at the time it's supposed to get delivered, also you know exactly what is coming back with the driver so that you have enough capacity to manage that and you have enough manpower to, you know, do the work that is needed to do it. So to ensure that the product is still in acceptable condition for delivery for the customer next day, right? So it's a combination of uh, tracking, automatic tracking. So you, you know, you're not sitting and trying to measure every then and then having the ability to react on those uh, alerts based on those tracking. And three, also, from a delivery standpoint, right, not only measuring the temperature and making sure it's accurate when the driver opens and closes door every time, you might create additional checkpoints within the delivery applications to force the driver to look at the temperature and capture it so that you have the proof of saying, okay, I did verify that the temperature was X and within the acceptable range at stop one, stop two, stop three, whatever, right? So, so it's a combination of those things along with having the real-time visibility and alerts. Again, you've got to manage the exceptions and have those, uh, you know, things bubbled up to the right people at the right time so that they can take action, right? So technology plays a role in all of those. Think, I didn't even think of the returns because usually when you have like a last mile delivery, you just leave it at their doorstep and if they're not there, but... With something that's temperature controlled or something that's, you know, medicine, you can't necessarily just leave it out there. Yeah, it might be in a cube that's or something that can handle four hours, but you don't necessarily know what time they're going to be there. And that would then just open you up to, well, how long has it been sitting here? What temperature has it been the entire time? And if that tiny package doesn't have that in it, then you might not know. But I think that, but then also, you know, it's not like a regular warehouse where you can just come back and toss it over to the side and put it out tomorrow. It still has to maintain that set chain of temperature. And that is something that I didn't even think about. And I'm very grateful that you guys did it <laughs> so that you can kind of help people, you know, know where things go and, you know, maintain that um, that temperature for everyone so they can get the things that they need. 
I think that's um, it's actually like really fantastic and amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. The chain of custody is an important aspect, not only from knowing who has the product, but also knowing that what was the condition of the product when somebody signed off on that, <clears throat> right? So that's why when you deliver a product and before opening the door, you were said that, you know, the chamber is in right temperature. And now when you get a signature from your customer, they're accepting that, yes, I saw that it is in that. And now it is their responsibility to make sure they, you know, put it in the right place and they just don't leave it outside, right? So the chain of custody is as important as the temperature measurement itself to ensure that the, not only knowing that where the product is at any point in time, and also knowing that the product is in the right condition at each point of uh, custody. I like that. You know, like you, we've done our part. We've got it to the customer and we promise that it has been at this consistent temperature. But once it gets to you, that's on you, dude. That's on you to make sure that you put it in the right spot, which I would like to think people do. But I guess, so it seems like everyone's kind of hurrying up and getting invested in this technology. We're having all these visibility tools come out. We're having all this real-time data what kind of risk problem from this? Like if you get a visibility tool that, you know, it doesn't fully integrate and as, you know, every tool that promises to save all of your problems and solve the world, um, you know, it never fully integrates. You're not getting that full use of that technology or that system or that software. What kind of risks come with this technology ad adaption and, you know, what kind of risks come for those that are saying, oh, well, our system's fine but it could just be like drivers texting photos of the reefer unit and that's how they like maintain visibility. So what kind of like what kind of risk come from this other than just, you know, like product spoilage? No, no, you're right. I think, you know, this is still is still a, <clears throat> this whole technology is still in its nascent stage. Of course, temperature sensing has been there forever. But, you know, with, when you look at it from the, the broader use cases of what happens in the you know, logistics, especially with the final mile and everything else, the technology is still evolving. And one of the biggest challenges that we see that, you know, some of the folks are trying to solve this is lack of standardization, right? When you, even when you want to share data with other partners, how are you going to share it, right? Today, it's all happening. It's a wild, wild west, right? There's really no standard in that at all. And uh, even if you want to share the, it's all, it all combines down to everybody having uh, visibility to that if somebody is tracking real time right i don't understand why all the stakeholders that are involved in that can have uh, real-time visibility to the same data as long as they're all part of that right that's where the challenge is today because the data is still considered as within the four walls this is my data versus your data kind of a notion and that is what we are trying to get out of uh you know and then create a standard wherein all the people who have, who needs to have access to that data can have access without having to create their own, you know, plumbing, if you will, right? The data is there. The way we are sharing the data, the standards for sharing the data doesn't exist today. And, you know, there are some, uh, you know, organizations and, uh, you know, people are trying to come up with that. That's a great effort. I think we need more of that. And that's, that's where we have to, you know, go towards and work towards getting that standardization and being able to share the data. People can subscribe, you know, it should be a PubSub kind of a model, right? People who need to have access, they can just subscribe to that data and we should be able to get the data in real time. 
without having to create a separate technology by themselves, right? So that's where the challenges that you talked about come into play, right? My part of technology works great, but I will send you the data and then they interpret it in a completely different way or what have you, right? It all breaks down. It, we are always, you know, again, you're back to square one where we were 15 years ago, right? That's where the challenge is for, for us. Uh, and then, you know, that's what we are trying to solve through the network, at least all the participants within our network, our solution network, should be able to look at the data without them doing anything, right? That's kind of, and then that that uh, notion can be extrapolated to the broader ecosystem wide, right? From anywhere from point A to point Z. Right. So that's kind of the, that's where I think the value of the data is going to show. Until then, we are going to be struggling with this patch, patchwork of, uh, you know, moving data between points. I would love 2023 to be the year that everybody, 20, I'll give it, I'll give it 2024 because we're halfway through the year. So, you know, we can't expect too much change, but I would like 2024 to be the year that, you know, we stop having to send things via Excel files or CSV files to someone, then reformat and into their what, however they process it in their system, and then they run it, and then you just keep sending these files back and forth. Like, let's actually harness technology. Dare I say, Sanders standardized something. I'm not going to be the one to standardize it, but someone else can. Um, and maybe new this. Um, but I think it's time that we just kind of get just get over it and just kind of share sharing is caring you know yeah no i think there is a right level of um, focus on this and even starting from the federal government right i'm sure you must have seen all the things about flow the whole uh, logistics ecosystem right creating the standards of course that's a great uh, starting point and it takes time to, you know, make sure it serves the purpose of all the stakeholders equally, right? But it's, you know, when was when was the last time federal government really got into the logistics, right? Once. Uh, so that, you know, that's where the focus is right now, right? Uh, so that's a great thing. Uh, it's a great thing for the overall logistics uh, world, right? And then... And then, of, uh, of course, other uh, players like Newiz and everyone else uh, that are creating solutions not only have to look at creating solutions for the end user, but also have to have the notion of this standardization in mind, right? It's not just our technology that as long as it works for our customers, but it has to work for the broader ecosystem, right? And that's the only way we can. Uh, make real use of the availability of the data, which is there today. I mean, for the most part, there are technologies to give you that data. You know, like I said, the point, the challenge is if it is just within your four walls, you can manage it really well. But we don't live within the four walls anymore, right? We live in this broader ecosystem. And uh, so that's where the, you know, the broader thinking of uh, the network has to uh, be a you know, a much prevalent notion across the different technology vendors and different stakeholders, including shippers, carriers, the consignees. Yeah, because in that broad ecosystem, you have shippers using AS400 and you also have shippers using, you know, the most up-to-date technology. So you kind of have to bridge that pretty wide gap. Um, we are almost out of time and we know where you stand on hot dogs and sandwiches from Check Call. Since you're on Running on Ice, we have to ask you the hottest question. Is cereal considered a soup? I like to say no, mainly because I want my soup hot. 
right? <clears throat> you know, when I think of soup, the first thing is hot, right? And um, cereal is uh, always, for me, it's a cold one. That is the, that is my, and then, and the second thing is, um, you know, I can have soup any time of the day. I don't mind. But cereal, I would, uh, you know, limit it to breakfast or morning, first uh, first meal of the day. Man, I am a cereal all day kind of gal. Like a good, like a good sugary cereal is like the perfect snack. Like it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing. Whatever suits you. <laughs> so if anyone wants to reach out with some hot soup recommendations or if they have any questions on you know, kind of that final mile in the pharmaceutical and technology space. Where can they find you aside the show? Sure. I mean, it's on the website, www.newis.com or info at newis.com. They're always here to chat and uh, love to talk to anyone. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mary. Appreciate the time. Thank you. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on Freight Waves TV or YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more running on ice news? No sweat. Subscribe to the newsletter on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. See you on the internet.